This morning, I'd like to begin a new couple messages on the subject of prayer. I've not touched on this probably since the first year I came to Hope Fellowship, um, which is a long time ago. And it's, I, I was kind of surprised. I was looking back, looking back, going, what? I never covered it. And uh, this is a unique one. Because as I was preparing this week, I realized this subject is so huge. That's like, it, and you, at first you might think, oh, prayer, Pff, you can have that done in 20 minutes. You know, that, the whole series, right? No. There's much more to it. In fact, I don't know about you, but I know for me, as I started to discover who I was in Christ, I had a whole bunch of areas of theology I had to unlearn. And I began to relearn a grace lens on how Christ sees me. And uh, it, mean, it meant having to challenge some of the other teaching that I grew up with. Even stuff that I knew was kind of wrong, but, you know, it's what I was taught. So you believe your teachers. Well, here you need to believe the Holy Spirit. He is your confirmer. He is the one to protect you to hear what it is you need to hear and what you're not supposed to hear. He's the one who takes what you do here and interprets it to what it should mean for you. Often it'll mean the same thing to others, and depending where you're at in your own walk, it could mean something very different to you personally than to the person sitting beside you. What I'm trying to say is, there isn't a cookie-cutter answer for every single person. There are people in history who have, who have a perspective on the subject of prayer very different than you and I. Their lens has caused them to experience the power of God in prayer in a way that we in the West say, ooh, we got to copycat that. It's a new, a new formula. Well, today I want to talk about types of prayers, and I have a special guest coming via video to teach us and give us some hints on prayer, if we could have the house lights. Jesus, sorry I'm late. Work was crazy today. No, don't get up. It's okay. Uh, yeah, just got a little bit behind. People are being crazy, you know. That's no problem, Chuck. I'm just glad. Uh, I'm glad I made it too. Listen, let's get down to business. I have a lot of work here. A lot of requests. First things first, pastor and his wife are at a conference. Keep them safe. Um, but, uh, I'm not a fan of the assistant pastor. The less he preaches, the better. Uh, what else? Ralph, his wife, is getting a tattoo removed. It's a stupid college party way back when. You know how those things go. It's in a real painful spot. I'm not a fan of football here, but my friend is. And if I could have two tickets to take him to show him how cool I am so he'd be my friend some more, that'd be great. My dog Nibbles has a gimp leg. Chimney crickets. You know, now that I'm thinking, I could use a new jacket. I'm getting fuzzies all in this one. Please bless my sister, my mother, my father. Our father who art in heaven, my neighbor, Cindy. Hallowed be thy name. Can you sort of train my church to clap on two and four, please? One and three, this is not disco, people. This is serving the Lord. The guy who brings in my shopping cart from the thing. Something I can do to get a raise. Can you read what I wrote here? I think I was, I was dreaming. Plus the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Agriculture, the Secretary of Secretaries. Bless their secretaries. Thy kingdom, thy kingdom come. And that's what bothers me about my mother. (laughs) 
Hey, look at the time there. That's uh, uh got to get going there. Jesus going to wrap this up and say amen. Amen. Uh, it's been a pleasure praying with you this fine evening. I'll be talking with you. Have a good day. Uh-huh. Types of prayers. Oh, my goodness. Don't laugh too hard because some of that stuff's true, okay? And we've done it. I've done it. I've, yeah. Well, there are other kinds of prayers. I don't know if you recognize some of these. How about this one? Lord, let my son become a guitar player when he grows up, you know? So we, we have prayers like that. And then we have prayers like where two or three are gathered so you... You get your dolls together because then it's two or three, and then God has to listen, right? <laughs> All right. Or, and Father, asking you now for a good text to accompany this fantastic joke. You know, that's me on Saturday nights. And then some of you know this one really well. It's just a scream for help. All right. Um, get me through the day. That's the whole back section of the church. You know, all the parents. Yeah. All right. And then, of course, if you're vacationing, pray for the rest of your summer holidays. Yep. So, like, the, you, you all have different prayers. That's not good. You're right. <laughs> There's still a person in the vehicle. <laughs> so, how about we begin with what I have come to see prayer is not. I am not the full authority on this. The Holy Spirit is. But in my journeying and in my maturing, and I've got much more to go, I've come across some, what I call, false understandings of prayer. And if you'll give me some wiggle room to poke some fun, but also make the point uh, of what prayer probably is not. First, it is not a duty. This is something I grew up with that uh, you were measured. Just, just what uh, Jennifer read earlier, you know, to be successful, you have to pray so long. I read books on prayer. I even bought a book by R.A. Torrey because it said how to pray. Uh, cool, I'm going to learn how to pray, you know? And then Becky Terabessi wrote a book called Praying for an Hour a Day, and that one really took off because, you know, then you had a measurement, a goal. And if you're anything like a goal-oriented person, you'll love that. It's like this. I got this thing in my pocket here called a Fitbit. Anybody here Fitbit? Fit, Fitbits are awesome. I've done 3,215 steps already. I've done eight stairway, uh, stair levels, and I've gone 2.44 kilometers, and I've burned off 1,268 calories, and I'm doing pretty good. And the time is 11.09. Today. 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 The goal is 10,000 steps. So if I have this in my pocket, and I reach it, then I'm successful. But I've done that with prayer in the past too. If I've done my hour... Then I'm, then I'm a godly person. I'm a good Christian. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a proper Christian. But that's, but that's, you know what I'm talking about though. So, prayer is not a duty. Secondly, prayer is not the magic genie in an oil lamp. Rub this thingy, oh God, now you have to. You get three wishes, you know. But people, it would be cool, but people approach Prayer and God, as if he's a genie, as if he's a special one that you go to just to get your special needs met. Does he meet your needs? Yes. But I'm talking about the core motivation of why we do some of this stuff. And it's easy to get wrapped up in that one. 
Next, it's not a formula. This is huge. I used to teach prayer conferences, <laughs> and I taught the formula. <laughs> here's how to. Here's all the steps. Now, here's, here's the neat part. The lens from which I was teaching this prayer conference was a legalistic lens. But the content had value. You can still learn from it. You can look at it through a grace lens. You can grace-size it. Like, you know, like supersize? You can, yeah, same, same thing. So, even though I was teaching a method, the method became my Savior, not Jesus. I was counting on following the steps because if I follow the steps, I reach success. And then God has to answer my prayers. Do you hear, do you hear the method here? Okay, next. Well, prayer is not. It's not a method to manipulate God. Here's what I mean. Saying it just correctly, so you have to take his arm and say, Ha! Now give me that toy. Okay? Give me that raise. Give me that healing. And you, you get enough people together. This is, this is one of the, I don't know if the Christian culture realizes what they look like when they try and pool in in the prayer chain thing. Is there something wrong with prayer chains? No. What there is something wrong with is our, method, our mentality and method of using a prayer chain if we think that is the way we're going to get through to God. Here's another one. I don't know why people do this, but they sometimes say, Pastor, will you pray for me? And it's like, as if I'm any closer to God than you are. Seriously. You know, or we go to a special person that we think has an extra in with God. And so we go to, we go to them and we ask them to pray for us. Because... Clearly God does not listen to me. I have to go to someone else. Folks, when you do that, you do not know who you are. You're speaking and praying from a lie. A lie that says, I am not good enough. It also says, I am not one with God, meaning he's here hearing me right now. Can you, can you understand the underlying lies here? Prayer is not the method to manipulate. Prayer is not something you do, but something, it's rather something he does. Sometimes we say it's about us getting the posture, you know, getting on our knees and, oh God, you know, there's the method. There's, 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 it's something I have to do. And I've marked it on my calendar. And I did. I had check mark boxes for, for prayer, Bible reading, you name it. I, I had it. And do you know what's really interesting about that? You may laugh at my method. My heart was doggone right. As in, my hunger for him was perfect. But I was looking at it through a wrong lens. The hunger was him drawing me to himself. My method was trying to find some system to connect. And he lets me. It's okay. Don't get mad at people for doing that. I'm mocking them in a sense right now because I want to show you the comparison of how distracting and wrong a lot of these things can be and help you see the grace lens, the Jesus lens. Prayer is something he does in and through you so you can experience him. That's the short answer. Prayer is what someone else is not what somebody else does better. We kind of covered that a few minutes ago. But having to run to somebody else who you think is a better prayer -er, -er, yeah. It's not a ritual. Every day at the same time that you have to do it then. Instead, if you want to, you can. 
I remember one of the very first things that I saw change in my life when I discovered who I was in Christ and that the idea of duty versus desire, I was doing things out of desire, my traditional prayer and devotional life went poo-poo. It was, it was gone. And I was the pastor. <laughs> I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> not at all, because the boy... I'm not going to look like a good Christian if I tell them what's going on, but I, I don't feel the pull to have to do that. Instead, at different times of the day, I felt the Holy Spirit drawing me into a different kind of prayer, into reading something different, and suddenly I'm, I'm drawn by the Holy Spirit in a very sporadic way that was very uncomfortable for me because I had been so in charge of managing my spiritual life. Very good. Prayer is not King James. Oh, Lordeth, Fathereth, Godeth of heaven and earth,eth we beseecheth Theeth to answereth our prayereth. That doesn't mean you're more spiritual. It just means you have gum in your mouth. Now, people that have grown up praying like that, guess what? Don't mock them either. But it's people who think that's the only way to pray. Here's an example. Don't misunderstand liturgical prayers. Liturgical prayers are formed prayers that God had given people that have been written down and are used in a public service. Liturgical is public. To include the body of Christ. We don't do liturgical prayers here, but I bet you we could benefit from it. We're not comfortable with it because we keep saying, oh, but we have to pray from the heart. Well, where do you think the heart came from the, for the person who wrote in the first place? Came from the heart. And it's a shared experience. It can become a learning curve. This, is, this may not be comfortable for many of you, but that's okay. I'm saying there are many modes of prayer, styles of prayer. And just because one tradition does it one way, don't you mock it. You may not like it. You may not be comfortable with it. But how about be teachable to say... How do they find value in that? That would be interesting. How does the Holy Spirit draw them into that? I, I really want to know. And then get to know. Get to know a Catholic priest. Get to know an Eastern Orthodox priest. Another denomination, Anglican, Presbyterian, you name it, united. Find out how they do their rituals. Not for the sake of ritual, but to see Christ in it. Because it started with Christ. And just because some of them have gotten to become a ritual and that's it, don't blame the history of it. There's still power in the source. Does that make sense? Prayer is not, Father, Lord, just, 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 Father, Lord, oh God, just, just, you know, just, Lord, Father. If you could just do this, you know, because Father, you know, you know, when people pray out loud... They think if they squeeze in enough Father, Father, and just, 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 uh, and Father God, uh, as many times as possible in the matter of two or three minutes, then they're, they're really spiritual. Just means they don't know how to pray. <laughs> you can get into a, a distraction. Do, does anybody see the humor in that? A few of you. Okay, fine. Never mind. <laughs> Thoughts on prayer. This is getting heavy. I'm going to read this carefully, but I want you to read it quietly with me as I read it because this is huge. Prayer is a waste of time and something done, only done by weak idiots that can't handle real life. That is what I thought 
for many, many years. And now prayer is the perfect work done in the presence and power of God. Calling upon Him in relational trust for everything. Prayer is my breath. Ironically, the word for Holy Spirit is pneuma in the Greek, which means breath or wind. I thank God that His ways are truly not the world's ways, and that I am finding more and more that in reverent humility and stillness, His perfect presence and power is made complete in me. His perfect presence and power is made complete in me. Is it already in you? In fullness? Yes. But to experience that completeness requires us to believe He is completely there. Prayer is the hunger, the, the magnetic pull to Him. He's the one, as in a tractor beam, pulling you into Himself. You're already there, but this is the, the mental picture of us being drawn in. Prayer is much deeper than we think. Next, R.A. Torrance writes, Jesus Christ in his own self-oblation to the Father is our worship. That word means um, uh, sacrificial gift. Um, is our worship and prayer in an acutely personalized form. So that it is only through him and with him that we may draw near to God with the hands of our faith filled with no other offering but that which he has made on our behalf and in our place once and for all. That's heavy. Just think about that one for a minute. Jesus Christ, in his own self-giving sacrifice to the Father, is our worship and prayer. Jesus is your prayer. That's, you, you got to get this. It's not something you have to conjure up. i got to come up with a prayer. He is it. He is the whole attitude. He is the draw because we pray spirit to spirit, not body words to some out there person. He's in us. Next. Torrance also writes this. Oh, this is Gandhi. Oops. Yeah, Gandhi. Prayer is not asking. It is a longing of the soul. It is daily admission of one's weakness. It is better in prayer to have a heart without words than words without a heart. Yeah, but he wasn't a Christian, so why are you using that quote? Because it's true. And the author of truth is Jesus. Torrance writes, Prayer is the first and foremost something that Christ does on our behalf in his life and in his death. But also as our ascended Lord and high priest who intercedes for us in the presence of God the Father. The Holy Spirit sent by the risen Lord unites us with Christ, meditating Christ or mediating Christ and his intercession to us in such a way that Christ's prayer echoes in our hearts. Any prayer initiated by the throne of God will be answered. It may not sound religious, but it also can. Yes, he may speak to you in King James. And that's okay. Just don't make it a rule. 
What does the Bible have to say on prayer? There's a bunch of verses I want you to look at. We're definitely not going to finish today. Absolutely impossible. <laughs> but I want to give an introduction. One that causes us to look at the subject of prayer differently. That's not the to-do list of at least five times a week, but instead a constant experience of the presence of Christ in us and acknowledging Him in us and in each other. This is powerful. Let's see what it says. In Psalm 55, 22, in the message, it says, Pile your troubles on God's shoulder. He'll carry your load. He'll help you out. This is an awesome prayer reminder. He is the one you can go to to unload. Is it that boring? Sorry. <laughs> he is the one you can unload to and be real with. No matter what you're walking through, no matter the burden that's going on in your head right now, no matter the stress in your life, you can trust him. And fat chance you're going to go running to God if you don't trust him. Sometimes we'll, we'll throw the prayer to God because we heard he's supposed to answer, but in our hearts we don't trust he'll pull through. Let me suggest today that your personal experience of prayer will be greatly dependent on your belief on who God is, that he is good, that he is loving, he has forgiven you, that you are clean, that you need to know your identity, that you know that you are one with Christ. Otherwise, you will buy into something which we have heard in history called dualism. That God is out there and we're separated from him. When we're good, he comes closer. When we're bad, he's distant. That is not the gospel. Next. Luke 8.1 says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Hmm. That we're supposed to pray? And now you're starting to sound like a duty because we're told to pray. If you hear duty right away, you've just been culturized. That's it. There is another way to see this. A critical way. You hear the love of Christ first because he spoke everything with love. And when he says it with love, you receive it that way. It's not a duty, but oh yeah, all right, I'm going to pray. I want to. Because who are we talking to? Him. It's powerful. And then he gives a really neat parable. Ephesians 6.18 Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. Well, I guess I'm not a very good Christian then because I ain't too persistent. Anybody feel like that? There are times we do. You know, we're not living up to what we see in Scripture. We're going to cover this one again uh, towards the end of today, I hope. Hopefully we'll get to it. But uh, this text is going to be big, and I'm going to talk about pr what persistent prayer is. Uh, if I don't finish it today, we're going to definitely hit it next week. Romans 8.26, this is awesome. You've got to hear this one. It says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words that cannot express. I often find myself at a place where I don't know what to pray. 
Sometimes my, my mind second guesses everything, questions everything. But if I pray like this, then I'm going to sound like this. But I don't want to sound like that. I don't want to sound like a legalist. I want him to hear my heart. And I just hear the Holy Spirit saying, shut up. <laughs> Let me love on you. And he's laughing with me, you know. He knows how to use sarcasm to encourage my heart to be drawn to him. And then groans come. And then I'm silent. And my prayer is, my mouth's shut, and it's like, I'm become overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with truth. Overwhelmed with the power of Christ in you. And sometimes you can't hit that spot until you stop. Turn off the radios. Turn off the video games, TV, everything, and just try driving sometime without the radio on. I'm doing that a lot more lately. Just turn it off. And I like having good music playing in the background all the time. Sometimes really loud, you know. I got a good bass system, so it's fun. But there are times where I'm sensing God just saying, quiet. We're not used to quiet. We're not used to stillness. First John, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. What does this verse mean? I don't know. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I have ideas, but we're going to come back to that one another time. <laughs> but it's there. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. See, I'd rather take this one on because that one requires, wait a minute, how do I handle when I ask God for something and I don't get it? I thought I was praying according to his will. Can I suggest what the will of God is for every single one of you? Because I actually know what it is. Yep, I have, I've got the discernment. Uh, I know what God's will is for every single person here. Here it is. Jesus Christ is the will of God. And you have Jesus Christ in you. Therefore, you're possessed by the will of God. Now, start to learn to trust his voice. When you trust his voice and he inserts the prayers into your minds, of course he's going to answer. It's a beautiful picture. And when you have that kind of trust with your loving Heavenly Father, guess what's going to happen? This! You're actually going to pray for those who curse you. Right now you want to punch them out. <laughs> you have ways of debilitating their vehicles in the morning. You know, you, you, there are ways we can get back at people. And we can be very creative. Especially if you have a very mischievous side or a colorful history. But anyway, we don't have to get into that. You can come up with a lot of neat things. But it's the gentleness of Christ that will say, pray for them. And do you know why? Because we read elsewhere that we don't see anybody after the flesh anymore. I think we covered that last week, if I'm not mistaken. We don't see anybody after their behavioral patterns anymore. As in, they're being a jerk. They're not a jerk. They're just acting like one. Do you see the difference? And it's really hard to not see them as a jerk. <laughs> In fact, jerk is being nice for some people. I have a list. You know, people. Like, people, yeah, I have them too. 
I know people I don't like very much and I, I'd rather have nothing to do with. But the Holy Spirit is saying, you be gentle because you want the same gentleness. You want to be treated the same way they need to be treated by you. Right here. Pray for them. And there's a lot of mistreatment in this world. A lot. We don't live after the things of this world anymore, the patterns of this world, but we live after the pattern of Christ in us. Seek first the counsel of the Lord, 1 Kings. Hmm. How many times do we make very major decisions, just run ahead and take no time, say, Father, what really, what, what do you think? Is this something I should be doing? Sometimes he'll say, I planted the idea in your head in the first place. Or another time you're going to get that check. No, don't do it. Oh, but, 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 but it's such a great deal. There's like a limited time. I've got to do it because the deal runs out at six. I don't think we should move ahead on anything until we have the peace of Christ giving us the green light. Pro or against. But we're going to miss opportunities. Are you really? Who's in charge of your life? Whose opportunities? The world's or his? This is a harder one. This means having to depend on him. Moment by moment. Instant by instant. Next. Brothers. Pray for us. Do you realize you have brothers and sisters right here? You have brothers and sisters in churches. I can see a church right through the window right over there. Brothers and sisters over there. Down the street. In this whole city. Around this country. North America. Worldwide. There's a call for us to pray for one another. Why should we pray? Because we're encouraged to. Not because you have to. Because you get to. And people will be praying for you too. Because the Holy Spirit knows how to get prayer injected into all of us. Pray without ceasing all the time. Hmm. How do we do that? Won't we have car accidents? You know? No. Praying without ceasing is something that happens from spirit to spirit. Constantly. Thinking with your head, thinking thoughts. Remember, he thinks his thoughts through you. You have the mind of Christ. We'll get into that one again later. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 1.12 We pray that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified. What a perfect prayer to pray. If you're stuck, there's a prayer to pray. Praying scriptures, pretty cool. Pray for so-and-so, for Gord Melville, that the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ may be revealed in you according to the grace, which is a lot of grace. Pray for God this week on that. Pray for somebody else, whoever God puts into your mind as you are doing whatever, laundry, dishes, brushing your teeth, whatever it is, the names will come. He's been giving you names for a while. You just reject them. You just, well, on to something else, on something else, ADD. You know, it's not ADD. It's the Holy Spirit putting stuff into you regularly, constantly, always. He is drawing you to pray. Will you recognize it? 
Pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. Hmm. That's a prayer for this church. That the message we share will be spread everywhere. Do you guys realize the extent to reach this little dinky church in little St. Jacob's has around the world? Do you realize people are growing in grace because of this family? That by whatever you do, serving, giving, whatever it is, is having an effect worldwide. Our connection with Grace Walk Ministries, phenomenal gift to this church. It's also becoming a domino effect of connections with other ministries. People using the messages. Pakistan, Russia, Germany, Holland, right now. I can't believe it. And if you knew, your jaw would hit the floor and go, what? Really? All this is happening? The opportunities to get to teach throughout Mexico? Seriously? And of course, teaching across Canada. Folks, pray that this message will spread because it's good news. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his uncomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's another prayer for people. You have children or spouses or friends that are not believing right now. Pray that the eyes of their heart will be enlightened. That the cloud of darkness comes off. So they can see because they're blind. They may feel lost that they can feel found. For they are owned. They are children of God. He's got them. But pray. Here is an awesome prayer for them. It's not up to you to convince just pray. That's it. The reason we're doing this series is because of last week. We talked about conflicts that were happening and can happen. It happens in churches all the time. Be careful how quickly you send off notes to people in frustration and anger. Stop it and pray for them. Just pray. Oh, but they may not hear it. Oh, right, because you're, you're brighter and stronger than the Holy Spirit. That's right. You need to send that note. You have to make that phone call. You have to confront them. Yep, it's up to you because they'll never hear it from God. No, God's not big enough. Pray. When you have a problem with somebody else, you go to them directly. You don't go running around to somebody else and have a little... Stop it. Some of us, it's a hard lesson. Some of us don't even realize we're doing it. You go only to the person. But I'm afraid. Well, then pray. Maybe you're never to confront them. Maybe the issue isn't what you think it is. Pray. When all else fails, pray. Oh, wait a minute. Before all else fails, pray. <laughs> think about it. That was good. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your 
inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Do you recognize the powerhouse of who lives in you? Christ the Lord lives in you. You lack nothing. Your prayers don't have to be the list of all the stuff you want from Santa Claus. Instead, it could be the heart for those people you've gotten to know and pray for them. For this reason, I pray before the Father. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. Which means, he may have to reveal his riches in you first. And that's okay. So please, be patient with those who don't see their riches in Christ. How we sometimes come across and correct people can be very condescending. I don't want to ever do that. Sometimes, we jump on people's phrases. That's not the grace way to say it. Well, that's loving. <laughs> I used to do that. And I'm embarrassed about it. I'm embarrassed that I would try and correct legalists. Say, that's legalism. And, and have the one-upmanship I know more than you. Therefore, I give myself a position of knowing grace and you don't. Making me feel better. You know exactly what I'm talking about. That's not grace. That's disgrace. That's not the love and compassion of Christ. The love and compassion of Christ will even surrender his right to be understood. Do you remember me talking about the Trinity submitting to us? Which is totally a bizarre concept, but I shared it with you clearly from Scripture already. We think we have to submit to God, which we do. And to one another. But it was modeled to us by the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Who gave himself up for us. He surrendered to the will of man. To the will of the Romans. Allowed himself to be crucified. Father, Son, Holy Spirit were all there. And they submitted to this world. To its plan. To the Romans who took out Jesus. And in the heart of Christ I can just hear him. I'm going to submit to your will, but I'm taking you down with me. I win. And he did. And he took humanity into himself. We died with Christ. And we rose with him. He won. Love wins. Agape. Therefore, confess your sins to... Where does it say? Wait a minute. Each other. Oh! I thought it said confess your sins to God. It doesn't say that, does it? You won't find that. This is touchy, but let me explain. Because as I'm learning from discussions, I may make a statement, but I better explain the brackets of what I mean so that I'm not misunderstood. I want to do a good job with this. It says here, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That is powerful right there. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Are you righteous? Yes, you are. Confession. The word confess means to agree, to agree with God. 
This is not saying ask for forgiveness, although humanly between each other, we need to ask for forgiveness. If I hurt Ralph, I need to go to Ralph and ask for his forgiveness. I will confess to Ralph, say, Ralph, I dinged your car. Forgive me. He's going to say, great, show me insurance papers now. You know? <laughs> it's, however it works. But you know what I'm saying. I need to confess it to one another. It's for our healing. Do you know what happens when we release uh, something that's been holding us back in our behaviors with somebody we trust? And suddenly it's almost like that problem is released. It's almost the power of it starting to break. And then the context of trusting brothers and sisters, trusting, not the public, because you can't trust the public crowd. You never know who's there. But in a small circle of people you do trust, there is room to confess these things so that those patterns that do not define who you are are broken so the life of Christ in you is revealed. Therefore, confess so that we are healed. Inner healing comes from freedom from chains being released. This is a big topic. Huge. I, I hope I'm saying it right. Confession. We confess to God. What do we confess to Him? First of all, we confess we are righteous. We confess we are forgiven. I do that all the time. I don't have to ask for forgiveness. I declare my forgiveness, which does not give me the right in my mind, because that's a fleshly mind that would say, oh, since I'm forgiven, I can now go on sinning all I want. That is what Paul said. Are you kidding? We don't do that. Instead, because we know how we are forgiven, we are to respond to that grace by living a life of grace. Saying no to ungodliness. It's not a license to sin. Don't misuse the scriptures on that. And just so you know, I've heard some chip-chap chatter about law, law and grace. And unfortunately, I have used the term no more rules. Oh, my goodness, it's quarter two. Uh, no more rules. There are no rules when it comes to our relationship with God. We are right with Him. He does have commands and encouragements for us of how to live. But even in this church, out in the street, somebody, oh, it was Anna, you sent me a picture, put a, a cop picture on. I'm not under law, officer, I'm under grace. <laughs> Guess what? That has nothing to do with your relationship with God. We still are under rules and laws of the land. There are still laws that govern, and we are to respect them. We're not apart from them. The rules that we even have here in this church are for the church family, for health. None of them have anything to do with our identity in Christ. We've made that clear. So just in case there was a misunderstanding of what law versus grace is and not under rules, I want to correct the terminology. Even if I've been too loose, I'm sorry. But I want to see it for what it really is. You are under grace. You're under the life, the law of the life of Christ. That's the law you are under, which means you will learn to submit. It's the greatest gift, submission. All right, that's it. It's, it's late. <laughs> wow, <laughs> my wife's going to kill me. She's teaching. <laughs> She'll forgive me, that's right, she has to. <laughs> Bible says. All right, let's pray, and then have Rosh just come up. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for being good.
And today I pray that you teach us what prayer is. As I prepare for next week, help me prepare well for what this church family needs to hear and what I personally need to hear. I've got much growing to do in this area. May we all grow. This one resource you've given us that I think is underused, prayer. Teach us how to pray. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.